Hey, welcome one more time to Business Guy Personal. This is a podcast brought to you by Video Ask Typeform Slater's Tool. And in this episode, I bring you one of the most controversial topics that I can think of today in the marketing space. Let's talk about influencer marketing, how hype it is versus how actually useful it is and what can we learn that we can apply to our own businesses. To talk about this, I have the founder of Modash, which is a company devoted to establishing honest influencer marketing. He's created a podcast interviewing Europe's top founders in front of a live audience. And he's helped hundreds of consumer companies leverage influencer marketing at scale. He is my good friend, Avery Schrader, founder and CEO at modash.io. And I know you will enjoy this conversation. Hello, Avery. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So let's get started because... Um, I mean, I was watching like a few weeks ago, a terrible, terrible, terrible documentary um, called uh, Fake Famous and it's on HBO. Uh, at some point I make the switch from Netflix to HBO and I feel like I'm happy, but there's still some rubbish on HBO. I'm sorry, like if, you, by the way, if you're watching and you've watched this documentary, let me know your thoughts. Maybe there's something that I'm missing, but I thought um, this documentary called Fake Famous uh, gives like a very like superficial um, view on what influencer marketing is. I know you haven't watched the movie, but I need to ask you, um, as someone, again, who's built a business around influencer marketing, is really influencer marketing something genuine that can have an impact for brands or it's all just hype and, you know, algorithm bullshit? <laughs> for sure, yeah. I think um, both of those things can be true. It really depends on the process. So like the whole mm. idea around, and I'm going to try hard not to plug Modash too much because none of my ideas like are directly tied to the necessity of our tool existing or whatever. But the whole thesis around Modash is that you have this super sexy space that we refer to as influencer marketing or brand ambassadors or whatever, sponsoring Twitch streamers or however you call it. Um, and because of that, like, uh, maybe the sex appeal of the space, like the fact that everybody's familiar with social media, people like can have feel that feeling themselves when we when we scroll um, of maybe being taking the recommendation of someone we trust online, then everyone thinks it's this cool idea. And then you have a couple of mega stars like Gary Vee that are screaming on stage about how influencer marketing is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and everyone feels like they have to get involved. But there hasn't so far been like a meaningful player to come to the space and say, okay, this is the, a scalable process that you can actually justify putting a budget into. And that's what we've worked really hard to do beyond building tools and stuff is what is the process that does make it an honest, scalable, performance-oriented acquisition channel? And we've kind of helped to define that process in lots of companies. And so we've seen both things. We've seen it fail terribly, which is usually then when people come to us with a lot of hesitation and say, hey, uh, this isn't working at all. We paid six cool people on Instagram and our company is not worth a hundred million dollars yet. And I'm super confused. And then we <laughs> kind of help them work past those misconceptions, choose people who are really like, uh, 
going to be effective for their specific company and create like incentive structures that don't uh, that are honest and in line so the influencer is motivated to do the right thing and uh, and the company is motivated to invest more in the in the influencer so the long-winded answer is yes it's a mess um, but there is a way to make it work and it just takes like some intention and thoughtful process building um, to make it really really work got you and so basically besides all these fake accounts on instagram and all these bots there is a way to kind of like measure the impact some sort of like in a like trustworthy way or something like that we, that brands can rely on right for sure yeah like the the kind of fundamental principles of the process that i talked about that we've kind of helped to create through all this work is um one of the really core pillars is that you pay for conversions instead of for content so mm. uh, which also incentivizes long-term relationships because why would we stop working with someone if they continue to convert customers at an acquisition cost that we have predefined so um yeah uh on measuring measuring is one thing so usually we suggest pick a metric and measure that metric against your best performing channel. So for a lot of people, that's like Facebook ads is their best performing channel. And usually we say, okay, let's try to design this process so that it's worth not just pouring money into Facebook ads, but that it's actually measurable and we can see output that's more efficient or at least equally efficient as that channel. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's totally, it can totally be measurable. Um, it's not as straightforward as like, ads manager or whatever like um because in that case you're just placing uh, content and facebook tracks everything for you you don't have to think too much or design any processes you just pour money in there and kind of trust the numbers they give you at the end um yeah and then on fake followers and stuff there's actually a ton of problems that people don't think about because they're not as like spooky as the idea of fake followers or shadow bands or those kind of things Um, an example is if you're, uh, if you're a company, for example, that's trying to, that only ships, let's say to LA for some reason, or some specific country, even the United States, mm -hmm. and you work with someone who has a hundred percent real followers, but 30 of them, 30% of them are in Germany and 20% of them are in Spain. And, and then 10% are fake because everybody, uh, I guess I contradict myself now, but everybody has some fake followers. So. Um, as long as you take a data-driven approach and kind of um, make intentional decisions and don't just pick people who kind of look cool on Instagram, it's actually really easy to avoid these problems. And there's, there's okay. tools that exist to, to tell you how many followers are real and where they are and who they are. So Okay, didn't know that. So that's, that's interesting. So my next question, I guess, it's if... Um, Let's say I'm a brand, okay, uh, and I have, like you said, Facebook uh, as a tool to like attract new people, which by the way, sometimes the numbers you get from Facebook and, you know, like you're not, you're never sure how much can you tr trust those numbers because, you know, Facebook may, you know, set an acquisition, say like they're would you know claim some of those customers which you may have acquired somewhere else but that's a whole different story maybe for another episode but um my question is like why would a brand would prefer to work with like 
an influencer than put like an ad, for example? What's the main difference mm -hmm. between like an ad that you create and you like you push on some channels versus mm -hmm. working with an influencer? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think that uh, there's a couple of reasons. One is for some companies we work with, they have now poured millions or hundreds of millions of dollars into Facebook ads. And they've learned through that experience that um, one, it's not really safe to have all your money in one acquisition channel and only have one method of reaching your customers because you never know what changes tomorrow. So differentiating is, is um, or diversifying your, your distribution can be important. In some cases, it's either not possible or not feasible to run Facebook ads. So not possible includes like, um, like crypto companies, for example. There's lots of legitimate crypto companies now. Coinbase is IPOing, and I'm pretty sure Coinbase can't run a Facebook ad uh, because oh. of the nature of their business. So some people can't do it. And in other cases, it's like to compete in, in, in a market, you need to be contextually in front of your customer however you can be. So um, when we met, you had just given a sp speech about how brand is every single interaction that you have uh, with your, your customer along their customer journey. Right. And for some customers, Facebook ads isn't how they make decisions. They trust their favorite YouTuber or their, like, the, the people they follow on Instagram or their sense of this is really popular and everyone's doing it more than they trust that display ad. Um, mm -hmm. on Facebook. So it's really just about context and a, a way that we even qualify our customers that we work with is uh, we ask the question, have they invested as much as possible into Facebook ads? Is it reasonable for them to move on? And I think it's a really important question. You should do the most efficient thing usually. Um, but sometimes you'll learn that Facebook isn't the most efficient thing or whatever channel and you'll decide that influencers is a a better fit so it's all context i guess right so if i understand it's like a mix of both things like the opportunity you have on like all these different channels and how you combine those and how you're like strategic about all mm -hmm. these different opportunities but also there's something that you were i think you were touching um now when you were explaining you know how a little bit on like on a high level how influencer marketing works and this idea of like people maybe are ready to listen uh to someone else that they already trust versus like mm -hmm. you know being interrupted by an ad on their um regular platform right mm -hmm. and so i feel like this is something i want to dive deep a little bit and i guess you might be able to expand on the idea of why influencer marketing has grown so much over the last years like what is it special about influencer marketing and the way that relationship happens <clears throat> happens between the customer or potential customer and the influencer versus a brand mm -hmm. yeah so i mean the hmm. i think that even the best brands feel like trusted uh, consultants or even friends to the people that they serve, right? Or, True. Um, or like a cool cousin who's way more fashionable than you is sometimes <laughs> how I feel about like clothing brands or something. Right. And I think that, but that's really, really difficult for companies to create because companies um, aren't 
quite as relatable to your everyday person as as their cool cousin who's very fashionable is so um i hope my analogy holds up there but <laughs> i think i think it's clear at least <laughs> but the yeah so the 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 real power behind content creators and i think that it's it's worth just referring to those people as what they are they create content um for a target audience and then that target audience consumes it because they're entertained or educated or whatever and um when we when you with your audience even um entertain or educate them via this podcast or some of your own content then you're building trust and then they come back to you and they check to see if you've made a video on how to like which brands are heroes versus villains or whatever um and no matter the context then uh you've you've built you've invested in the emotional bank account and then when i come to you to make a decision i trust your opinion um right. and sometimes i think even uh we've seen audiences that uh that convert because they just not just but because they want to support that creator rather than not So hmm. it's like if I buy this thing with this promo code then my favorite person who just taught me XYZ is going to make a few dollars and that's like a motivating reason to buy for me. I think that's like a very, you know, interesting way to put it. Like it's all about like the relationship and there it's true mm -hmm. that when uh, someone creates something special and you can like connect with that thing, if you yeah. get 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 value there's a sometimes like this kind of like feeling that like you want to give back in a way and uh yeah. and this is how um affiliate marketing works for influencers and things like that and you yeah. see all these you know um links on on youtube about like the amazon tools actually maybe we should start like i don't know what i could sell here but like maybe i should start <laughs> posting like on the description by the way if you're watching this and you're interested in like i don't know my tv or something like that <laughs> i'm happy to like link it down below and like make some money for for type form no i'm just kidding <laughs> but like no it's yeah, interesting like, well, yeah. Yeah. exactly some videos why you can get my cap for like 500 bucks um <laughs> no what i was gonna say is like I think it's very, there is a relationship and it's true. It's something that I always say a lot of times that um, we don't relate with logos. We relate with faces mm -hmm. and we relate with people. And uh, for some reason, it's just easier to build like a relationship with like one individual that like a group or like an abstract entity, which is a brand. A brand. And I've seen a lot of brands actually um, like go In, in adapting behaviors of like influencers where like they would put the social media manager or the person creating content in front of a camera and then that person is making reels or is making and then all of a sudden people would recognize this person as the brand and this happened uh maybe you've seen uh, a previous episode that we did um with diana briceño uh, she's the head of content at vid.io and uh, she yeah. told me on the on the episode which is we'll link it up here um that she was being addressed sometimes as like the the girl from vid right and um and she was very strategic about it she was like i, I asked her why are you not creating more refined content like if you your tool is about video uh editing it's a video editing software why are you mm -hmm. not trying to like make your video more refined and uh, her answer was precisely what we're talking about like she wanted to be more natural more yeah. uh, more like approachable and more spontaneous and that's mm -hmm. how she, people would feel that and would be like oh you're 
the the girl from beat or stuff like that so i think um those are do you think by the way do you think this is more like let's play the the future game here do you think that um influencer marketing is somehow gonna replace um or be bigger at some point than you know traditional marketing yeah i mean um to your first point yeah i don't think that i could say it better than people are authentic and we create lasting connections with them that can't be stolen by a lower price or a better product or whatever. Um, I will buy something I don't need from my mom to support her and, uh, or from my friend or from somebody that I, a trusted colleague or whatever. Um, but if I'm just making a decision between the last two Facebook ads I saw or whatever ad display, then I'm going to pick the one that's cheaper and gives me like whatever I want if, if that's how I make my decision. Um, but yeah, on replacing traditional media, most signals tell us that, yeah, that's money is slowly coming out of TV and going into independent content creators the power of distribution, like to reach audiences, not so long ago only existed in like a few television channels and then Facebook and Google. And now as the number of, of ways that create independent content creators can reach their audiences, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, podcasts, Twitch, and then all the clubhouse and all the distribution channels underneath those, um, their own websites and blogs and medium and newsletters and Substack. There's so many ways for content creators to distribute um, uh, and collect attention. So uh, it doesn't make sense that, that people will keep tuning into the big five news channels in US in 50 years if they can instead tune into their best friend who happens to also make independent content about the news as an example um, the power is definitely coming out of of television and those big giant media conglomerates and moving more and more into the hands of independent creators it's funny how you mention the news because it just made me think i don't know if you've heard um i mean we're both based in europe right mm -hmm. um so i like there was this huge massive volcano that erupted in iceland i don't know if you, you probably heard that Mm. Um, and it's funny that like, that could be traditionally like be like a news, um, piece, uh, be on TV and like, maybe like 10 years ago, I would be sitting like with my family, like having lunch or something. I would watch the news and like, oh, and this volcano eruption, blah, blah, blah in Iceland. And you know, you would, you would hear that on the news. And I just realized when you were mentioning this, that like, I've, I know about this event and because I, I have like, I happen to follow a couple of influencers that are based there and they're like all the time putting pictures about this fucking volcano. But like, it's interesting <laughs> that it's true. Like it's uh, not even like the news are something that we necessarily read on newspaper anymore or, or like TV, which opens like another, uh, <laughs> like again, another conversation uh, yeah. about authenticity and veracity. But um, for, for this, for the sake of this conversation, I think, that the way the relationship um, is set up between you know audiences and based on what you were explaining and influencers they like, um, there's something interesting happening there that brands are trying to replicate uh, in yeah. different ways. 
And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to make this episode, because like you're, of course, an mm. expert in that matter. And I wanted to pick up your brain to see what can we learn from this mm. relationship? Because I know maybe, I don't know, like if you're watching this episode, um, let us know in the comments, like how big is your company? And if you've ever considered um, to to go for influencer marketing because this has a cost and of course uh, you need to have and allocate that budget which you maybe as uh, Avery was saying at the beginning you can maybe consider taking some of the Facebook ad spend that you have there and try something new but like I guess there's also a different way which is there's things the fundamental um, uh, things from that relationship that we can learn as business owners and we can replicate in our business without necessarily um, having to work with external influencers if we don't uh, have the budget yet or we're not ready or we want to try first. And mm. this could be like showing up on camera um, mm. and like talking about your business, things like that. So um, what are the things that you could that you could, you know, teach us that we, yeah, that, exactly. That we could learn from, from, from influencers for our business. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think video ask is a perfect example of this with the podcast and, and everything around true, that. I think true. <laughs> I mean, it's true. No, I'm literally like, like I'm trying to become like, in a way, like video ask can like point of reference yeah. for people can like. And at the beginning, it was like a very, sorry that I interrupted you because now no, that no. you mentioned it, I don't think I've ever talked about this. And uh, in a way, it was kind of like at the beginning, coming from Typeform, uh, I was trying to create like a, a brand based on design and, and stuff like that. But I realized that video has needed like to have someone that someone you can I talk with, talk. right? Like needed a face, right? This is what we preach. So that's why I can like, I'm taking this route. And it's funny that you're mentioning it because it's so true. Like literally like ripping off strategies from like influencers and trying to play, how, see how they play with the brand. But sorry, go on, continue. Because I, I just wanted to make like this little... No, yeah. I mean, it's uh, that's the perfect frame of reference, really. Like going back a hundred years or whatever, the, the, you can imagine... Uh, uh, whoever, a cowboy or an old lady or something walking into the general store and saying, hey, Jimmy, how are you? Pleasure to be back again buying my spaghetti noodles or, or whatever that they're doing in that store. And that personal relationship, I'm sure all of us have a have an older relative or whatever that have never sat down at a different cafe in 50 years. And the, the reason is because of those personal relationships we build with the, with the people there and the, and the place. And Today, it's no different. It's just you can do it at scale. Um, instead of just grandma walking into the cafe, we can reach potentially thousands, tens of thousands, millions of people. And yeah, I think to, to emulate that, um, there's a couple of really easy ways. The first thing is just create something that you enjoy making. I think that uh, it's in your blood to do this podcast and to create things and to make stuff that didn't exist before that's part of you and leveraging that makes perfect sense mm -hmm. um and lots of lots of people who have like an entrepreneurial spirit or a creative spirit like yours i think also have a a natural knack for making things uh, like this and if you have any kind of inclination as a whether you're a marketing person or a ceo or in a small company or whatever you are leveraging that however you can is a really good idea um so whether that means making a podcast like we talk on here 
where we just share ideas back and forth about different topics that are kind of uh, slightly related to the general premise of the business, or if it's having a community in in Slack or on a forum that uh, collects professionals who can then share ideas and stories. Um, Demand Curve is a great example of this for for marketers. There's a huge Slack community of all the like top CEOs and growth people and channels to discuss different topics like like influencers or SEO or ads or whatever. And that uh, couples itself well with a really high quality newsletter. And you kind of create this like flywheel of you have a community and then your community becomes the guest on the podcast or the contributors to the newsletter or or you make video content and or instead of doing testimonials because you have a video guy on the team you make those very human and relatable videos i think you had a guest on before who was like specialized in that kind of yes uh, that kind justin we'll we also link the the episode here he was talking about how to make uh good testimonials one of the best episodes so far like in terms of like people reaching out and saying oh that was so useful yeah yeah i think uh, it was a good one i also liked it um mm -hmm. so maybe to create like some structure around all this rambling that i'm doing i think that a good place to start is being a leading learner so lots of people feel that they don't have anything to share and that's what has that's what stops them from making a podcast or doing whatever um so i totally encourage those people to uh learn more about your industry or space than on camera or behind a microphone or in writing or however you can and share that with your community. And that's all it takes to kind of leverage this idea of building trust in a human way. We have a conversation today. I learned something from you. Maybe you take something out of my rambling today and, and can apply it to your life. Uh, and if we do that repeatedly, then, you know, a hundred viewers turns into a thousand, turns into 10,000. And suddenly you have this amazing community that you can distribute the business into. Um, yeah, I hope that answers the question. Kind of. Yeah, I think so. What I learned from this answer and uh, maybe to add some, you know, takeaways would be like, first of all, don't be shy, show on camera. Uh, if yeah. uh, be that person on the shop in the corner of your street, where like you would yeah. talk and like that, that you want to come back and like have uh, you build a relationship. So do that for your business. And if you need to like set up a camera or like just pick up your phone, um, go and do it. Like the benefit is going to be probably um, bigger than the friction and the stress that this generates. But because let's be honest, it's not easy. Even if you're mm -hmm. an extrovert um, like I am, like you need to get used to it. There's like a process to get used to it. So, um, mm -hmm. and also another thing is like, you don't need like super high quality cameras, things like that. We have great, amazing cameras in our pocket um, mm -hmm. that we can use. So um, we've talked about this and we'll be making more episodes because this is definitely a topic that people are interested in, how to, mm -hmm. you know, um, because we're not like filmmakers, we're all not of not all of us are filmmakers. So it's it's important that we can like get comfortable with those tools. And another thing that I really like about your answer is this idea of like be a leading learner. You said leading uh, learner. Yeah. Leading learner is such a great 
term. I like it because it it's a, like um, you lead by example of learning, right? And mm-hmm. I, I really like this. I think it's I think. it's interesting. It's like is there is that a hashtag? Could we like explore if there is like? Because <laughs> I think it's a it's a very it's a very interesting like idea. Um, mm-hmm. Because it, it, it removes all the tension, right? There is some tension like, oh, I need to be an expert, blah, 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 blah. And this kind of like yeah. removes all this bullshit, basically. And yeah, like, or the concept of I don't have something to share. Well, lucky for you, you're the most relatable person for most people in your situation right now. Um, so mm-hmm. if you just approach it from the perspective of, okay, um, my business, I'm like a... I'm an I'm the most human accounting firm in the world and I've never been an accountant in my life. So now I'm just going to make videos about me learning Excel and how I did that process or the pitfalls that I overcame or whatever. Um that to you might sound crazy, but to to someone like you who's trying to learn and maybe get a little motivation to suffer through learning Excel or whatever, then um your encouragement builds a, that authentic relationship that we've been talking about this whole time. And that uh, uh, then every time they see your face, they think that's the trustworthy, cool guy who isn't just another accountant who wants me to send them money to process my invoices. Mm. And that applies to any any medium, any business, whatever you're doing. And I Twitch do. is full of people learning uh, and I don't, and even more full of people learning with them. Um, yeah. So I think that's like um, there's yeah, people like, writing like the code on Twitch live. Like, what could possibly be more annoying <laughs> to watch than someone writing code? To me, at least, that's like uh, the ultimate example of like literally just figuring out how. Like watching someone learn to type English is is a frame of reference. You know, it's it's crazy, but people love it and they tune in because maybe they learn something from it and they get to watch that guy wince when his code doesn't work. And it's like a, or a celebration when it does. And, um, I'm happy that video ask is a note code tool. So we're not going to get like a lot of like backlash of like, Oh, what are you talking about? Like code is like super cool. Whatever. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just imagine that even for developers, like watching other people code or that kind of thing is, <laughs> monotonous but it's the human next to it that makes exactly. it something meaningful and um yeah, yeah i exactly. mean for a long time like when i started my kind of entrepreneurial journey then i didn't know anything about startups so the first thing i did was move to estonia because here is a large density of successful founders and i started a podcast interviewing them so that mm-hmm. i could learn from them and that podcast grew like I mean, I didn't do it for a very long time, so we didn't have tens of thousands, or, or I guess we didn't have hundreds of thousands of viewers, but it grew way faster than I would have anticipated. And people were com- like, would, would talk to me in the street here in Tallinn and say, hey, man, you're so good at asking questions. I can't believe you got him to answer that question. And I'm like, I was just trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> like, what is the startup? How do I build something that people want? And so on. And uh that authenticity was what made people think that I'm an expert because I'm just asking the questions that are the most fundamental and the most relatable. So certainly don't fear not being an expert and use it to your advantage when you create stuff. Quality and stuff also, like you said, doesn't matter. It's, it's all about uh, just making stuff and putting it out. I think a big thing that, that people hesitate with too, even people who kind of aspire to be YouTubers is um, this perceived risk that no one will see it. 
And the great news is that if, uh, or that it, it's embarrassing to, to publish this or whatever, the good news is if no one sees it, you have nothing to worry about. So just push content out and uh, hope and pray that after a while it starts working. Yeah. Right. Take notes <laughs> if you're watching, <laughs> like, because I'm taking notes uh, with my phone here, like super interesting stuff. Um, I think uh, we've been talking for like a few minutes now. And so I think before we wrap it up, I like to take uh, very selfishly, like uh, two or three very specific tips on yeah. content creation. So uh, co mm -hmm. influencers do content creation in a certain way, uh, mm -hmm. which sometimes is different than what brands do. So mm -hmm. uh, for any entrepreneur watching or a person running marketing for a small business, um, can you give us like two, three tips on how influencers are successful creating content? Mm -hmm. um, great. Great question. I can do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> give me, buying myself time here with my answer. No, but yeah, the, the, a few things you can do. One is embrace the flaws and authenticity that come with making content. The best stuff is the stuff where people are vulnerable, don't know what they're talking about, are exploring and adventuring. And it's a story a part that you get to be a part of. No one wants to watch a lecture about, um, I don't know, how to, how to write code, you know? That sounds super fun. But watching a Twitch streamer struggle with the process of getting code to work, that's motivating and inspiring and gets us excited to relate to that person and, and share insights or whatever. So embrace the authenticity, the flaws that come with you as a person, with your company. Uh, embrace those things is my first one. Um, the second one is if you're scared, then take the time to consider why, um, and really try to bucket that feeling of fear into a, uh, either real risk or perceived risk. And so you might think everyone's going to see this and not like it. And then no one's going to buy from my company anymore. As an example, if you're a small business. And if you think through that fear a little, you might come to realize, well, probably my first YouTube video isn't going to get a million views. Most people aren't going to see it. So what's the worst thing that can happen if I just get started? And fight through that feeling, get 10, 15 pieces of content out, and you'll start to realize that the few people that you're collecting with every, everything you put out Love what you do, not because it's a perfect piece of content with the best camera quality, but because you're an interesting human being with flaws and tying back to my first point, authenticity. Um, and the third one, huh, what else can we learn from creators? Hmm. I think the two that you'd said are really interesting. And I think I'm going to buy you some more time here just in case you want to drop something <laughs> else. But um, I think in general, um, just there's something that uh, I talk a lot about when it comes to mindset. Fear mm -hmm. is just the idea that there is a threat. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that the threat is actually there. And I mm -hmm. think this ties into the, your second point. Um, 
And um, and I think it's important to understand, like you said, be be a little rational about it, and you know, always think about what's the worst thing could happen, okay? And you know, probably at the end of the day, there's also something else that I learned when I was even before I was a creative director, and I had my studio. I started. Um, I had a couple of jobs as a camera, uh, part of a camera crew for like a live show on TV. And uh, the first day that I got there, um, they gave me this massive TV camera that I've never used before. And I was like, I have no fucking clue how this works. I don't even know how to pull it up or down, right? So that was like how bad this was. And we were, and it was like a live show. So it's, it was not possible for me to say, ah, oh, you know, no, I need to go because they had no one in, right? So I had to do it. Mm-hmm. So I went to the person who was, um, who looked like um, the most, savvy there or like the, the one that was like you know moving better on that space and i approached her i was like dude i have to say that like i have never used this camera uh for some reason i'm here i need to do this but please teach me the basics because i don't want to fuck it up and i'm mm-hmm. freaking out and she said something that <laughs> stick with me and she said um okay first thing relax we're not doctors we're not surgeons here like we're not no one is gonna die tonight regardless <laughs> of how bad you perform yeah and i was like it, this gave me this distance and like it made me understand that it's true like there's literally people mm. whose jobs there's lives depending on those jobs and we're yeah. here like freaking out about making a video or like and when you put it into context it's just so ridiculous so yeah. um and so i think, think Sorry to interrupt, but I think in that case, part of the the thing that happened there was someone gave you permission to mm-hmm. go ahead, do the thing. You're not going to kill anybody, and you, we need to be able to do that for ourselves sometimes. And uh, because there's not always someone there to give us that permission to not be perfect, so it's important to reflect a bit and and like you said, decide: is this just fear or is this meaningful like um, problem that I'm actually facing? Um, is there anything else you want to explain or share that I didn't ask you, or I think or you think we can leave it here? I don't think so. I mean, uh, I can drop my third point just in case it's useful for someone. Cause another problem that I see is people just don't have like a knack for seeing when to make content. And if from now on, whenever you communicate with your customers, a question you ask is what would this look like if it was as human as possible? that will give you the answers to the question, what content do I make? Because if you need to make an announcement about your new hours, or you need to make a, you need to share some news about your company or something that's changing or whatever, then you can do that in a human way and, and speak to a camera rather than writing a small paragraph. And, and people will engage with that. And I hope that that maybe inspires one person to just take a more human approach to how you interact with customers. And that will solve the what content do I create problem. Awesome. So if it's human, make it more human. If it's not human, <laughs> make it human. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Avery. Um, real quick, if they uh, people want to find you, how can they reach out to you? What's the best way to get in touch with you if they have more questions or they're interested mm-hmm. in talking about influencer marketing? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you can find us, kind of the company, at modash.io. And you can find me avery schrader on linkedin i guess awesome 
I think that's it. If you have questions about this episode or something that we mentioned, or you really like the fake famous episode on HBO and you want to start the conversation about it, I think I'm personally super open to, you know, battle uh, and wrestle about it. So um, just engage on the comments, be human about it. Uh, we're just like people and we'd love to chat with you. Thanks so much. A live for, debate on Twitch about where That'd be awesome. If there's like literally, if three people here on the comments say that we should do a live debate on fake famous, I'm going to organize it and we're going to talk about it. That's a good I'm, idea. I'm one of them. Two more to go. <laughs> awesome all right thanks so much for watching this episode hope you enjoyed it and learned uh, as much as i did from avery and i'll see you in the next one